What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? We've got a million choices to make every day. So let's start with a mindset of faith. Good morning, Blue Water, and thanks for joining us for worship. We're introducing a new song today called Praise Before My Breakthrough. And we wanted to do this song so that as a church we can practice doing just that, praising before our breakthrough or before our miracle comes. So would you join us in singing this song?
Till my song becomes my triumph I'll sing because I trust you I'll bring my heart I'll lift my song I'll bring my heart I'll lift my song Spirit come 
My name is Julie, and I'm going to open us in prayer. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this online service. We thank you that you're uh, present with us as we watch. And I want to lift up the Hawaiian community. There's been so much loss from COVID. And I pray for a, a wave of your presence, a fresh wave of comfort, of provision, of kindness. God, that you would restore and you'd be so present with folks who are struggling. And I pray also for this time when there's so much uh, time alone and we're not gathering and we're missing each other. And I, I pray for the ways that we move through this time that we would spend time with you faithfully and we would dig in with you and see what you have to say for each one of us that it would be a time of introspection and looking out lord and and trying to figure out like what you're doing and going with you in it even though it feels like an in-between place for many of us and we just thank you that you're moving that you're you're doing things that we can't even see yet and so we just lend our faith into that. We trust you. And I pray that you would remind each one of us of promises you've given us personally. And we would hold on to hope and faith and love. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning, Blue Water. We're gonna continue our worship this morning with our tithes and offering. This is for those of you that consider Blue Water your home church. And you can do that online or you can text to give. Or as always, you can send a, uh, send a letter to the church office. <laughs> and uh, if you're visiting or you're just checking us out, please feel no obligation to give. 
This is for those, like I said earlier, who consider Blue Water their uh, home community. For announcements, uh, this Sunday, we're keeping going strong with the Sunday Funday. We're gonna be at Waimanalo at Sherwoods Beach from two to 4 p.m. Come and check us out. And um, next week, we're gonna be back in Waikiki at Kaimana Beach, 9 a.m. Also, we're doing a uh, joint worship night this week check out the details we're gonna have actually our team do almost all of the worship so evan's gonna be there i'm gonna be there more from our team it's gonna be a real fun night and uh that's all we got for announcements today like i said thanks for joining us and enjoy that powerful message that we're gonna hear today from Vern. All right. Hi, everybody. Happy Sunday. I'm excited to be here with you guys today. My name is Veronica Lamb. Most people know me as Vern. And I run the justice ministry here at Blue Water Mission. And I'm going to be sharing a teaching with you guys today. Today, my sermon is going to be called, What Does Faith Get You When You're Free? You know, most of us are free. And you know, justice ministry, we work a lot in freedom, right? Like this is what we wanna do. We wanna help people get to freedom. Like we're fighting human trafficking, these sort of uh, oppressive situations and that we want to see people into freedom. I feel like that freedom just sort of like, is like a word that beats through my heart and my, and my bloodstream and my whole body. And it's so good. Like I think about Jordan's message and how he talked about like when we're disempowered and when we're empowered. And when we're empowered, when we're recognizing that we have our freedom, I think that we can do incredible things in the world. And I think that it's this amazing opportunity. When I look at the Bible and I look back to like Deuteronomy, and I'm just going to refer to um, a couple of verses over there in Deuteronomy about what God says about our freedom. It says, um, this day, I'm looking at Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20. This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice, hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the reason why I bring that up is because I think looking back all the way to like the beginning of time, like if we look at the beginning of humanity, like Abraham, you know, I mean, it's not like Adam and Eve, but it's back there, right? It's like God has been talking about how we have freedom, how we have freedom to choose and how we get to choose life and how that is not only for ourselves, but that's for our descendants. And it's this huge blessing that we have. And I was contemplating freedom a lot recently. And I was contemplating it while I was watching things disintegrate in Afghanistan. I don't know if you guys saw that coverage, but I was looking at it and it's this terrible situation and you know, I think a lot of us, we were thinking about it. We were talking about it. The media was certainly talking about it. The world was talking about, you know, this massive fear that we could see, certainly in the women and in the girls in Afghanistan, as they were looking at this like risk and the situation 
of the fear of the Taliban's harsh rule coming down again and restricting their freedom, restricting their freedom of movement, restricting their ability to have jobs and restricting their ability to have an ed education. What surprised me is not only the fear that the women and that the girls were feeling, but was also that we saw this fear in the men also, that, you know, at the airports, the scenes of them like running and clinging to the airplanes as they're taking off and these sort of like life uh, threatening and oftentimes caused them to lose their life, like ways in which they were just like chasing their freedom, right? Even when it maybe wasn't even a good chance to get their freedom, but it was like the one shot that they saw. So I was looking at that, watching that, and I felt like that God kind of spoke to me. One of the things that he brought up was this, a line from a poem, and I'm not really into poetry a whole lot, but he brought up this line in a poem and he said, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? It's a quote by Mary Oliver. And I think about that, you know, we could look at this situation that's happening um, in Afghanistan and we're basically watching from our couch and we could see this terrible thing happening to somebody else or we could hear about it and we could, we could freeze, we could feel like super sad, but we could also stop and we could ask ourselves that question. And I just felt like that that was an amazing question that got brought to mind. You know, what is it that we're gonna do with this one wild and precious life that we have. And it made me also think of um, Ephesians 4. And so we're gonna go there and we're gonna talk about that section primarily today. So I'm gonna start reading it. We're gonna be in Ephesians 4 and we're gonna be reading through verse one through 16. We're gonna, just so that you know, we're gonna skip eight and nine because it kind of goes off on a rabbit trail there and we're gonna stay focused on this one. Okay, so chapter four in, a in Ephesians. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This is Paul's encouragement to us, right? So what does faith get us when we're free? You know, like when we're, when we are, no longer in bondage to the enemy, when we're no longer in bondage to man. And it says that we can live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. So we have a calling upon our life. You have a calling upon your life. And it says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So we get this unity here that he starts talking about. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So in faith, we have this confidence that God is over everything that God is in everything and that we can count on him to be there with us. And this is what it says next. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is where we're gonna skip over to verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, 
some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. So I'm going to pause there for a second and just talk about each of these things. So like the apostles, these are the people that are starting new things, right? Like they are the ones like getting it going and they're bringing all that oomph and all that power into it in the beginning. And then the prophets, you know, hearing from God and kind of discerning this knowledge from heaven or hearing about God's will and then speaking it out and sharing it to the rest of us. Evangelists, those that are going out there and they are like gathering in the sheep. They are gathering in the lost ones. They are going to those that are broken hearted, that are oppressed, that are struggling, that are lost, and they are gathering them in. And some to be pastors, like the caregivers, those of us that just love caring for other people and being alongside of them and like shepherding them through all the different stages of life. And teachers, those that are speaking, those that are teaching, right? Those are that are, you know, like your small group leaders and we're pulling out those nuggets of wisdom or maybe you in your home with like your kids or with your community house or with your friends or whatever, where you're pulling out, you're, you're reading what you're reading in the word and then you're pulling it out and you're talking about it and you're teaching it and it's making a difference in the lives of others and in your own life. And this is all to prepare, says God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And I love this concept of like how we are in this unity, right? And I'm going to read more about it. So to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So no longer immature, but become mature, attaining to the whole measure and to the fullness of Christ. This freedom and this faith, like, allows us to be a part of this like unified community, this unified body of Christ as we're working together. And we don't have to all do all the things, right? Like we do the thing that we're called to, right? And this is what it says more. Then, all right, so this is like, that's what we get is sort of this unification and this like building up into the body of Christ. And it goes on to the next portion, starting in verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there for every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth and love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I love this because it's talking about freedom. And I think a lot of times what we don't realize, like we may only think of freedom as this super like easy and pleasant thing, which it is fantastic and is great and we should all hold on to it, right? But there is also an aspect of freedom where we can be infants, where we can be tossed to and fro with the waves, where we can be blown here and there, right? Absolute freedom, no tethering, no solid foundation, no rock to hold us down, right? Can lead to chaos, can lead to floating away, can lead to these kinds of things. So I wanted to talk about that aspect 
because I feel like that's where the enemy tries to come in and tries to mess with our freedom or tries to mess with us when we have that freedom, right? He's coming in and he's trying it. And, you know, that's the phrase that I use. You know, he's just trying to mess with you. He's trying to like screw up the things that you're doing, right? And you may have felt like that the enemy has really been trying it lately with you. You know, you feel like that you see his little twist and his little things that he's trying to do and creating strife in the body, creating something that is not peaceful, that is not unified, right? That is not reaching up and growing towards God. And so I wanted to talk about that aspect of it, of like, how do we know, how do you know when the enemy is trying it with you, right? Like, what are the signs? What are the ways in which the enemy comes and just messes with us in this place of freedom that we have, freedom, and liberty and physical, but also freedom in Christ and our freedom to like grow and be a part of this like beautiful work with God. I would say there's two ways and I'm gonna break them down for you. The two ways are, well, I'll start with the first one. I'll say like never moving. I feel like this is how the enemy comes and messes with us. He plays this mind game, right? In our thoughts, he gets this really like craftiness and this cunningness and like this kind of stuff. He, he loves playing mind games with us, right? So he loves to come and play those mind games and he shows up with this thing that convinces us to never move. It makes us feel frozen. It makes us feel stuck. And a lot of times how this shows up, I'll give you two examples of how this may show up in your life when you're facing choices, when you've got freedom and it's like, what do I wanna do? You know, like, where do I wanna work? What do I wanna do today? What's important, that kind of stuff. And I'm gonna tie this into a story for you guys in a little bit. But what you may notice in your own life is that you feel frozen and what you find that your mind is going towards is towards this like catastrophizing like things are going to be terrible. I am going to screw this all up. If I do this wrong, it's over. You know, if I mess this up, it's going to mess up other people, you know, where you're just thinking like, oh, this is going to ruin my life. It's going to ruin my kid's life. Like I'm going to pick the wrong school for them, or I'm going to move to the wrong neighborhood, or I'm not going to like get them into the right opportunity. Or maybe you're caring for other people and you're like in ministry and you're really stressed out about like your small group and you're leading it tonight or like you even this preparing for the sermon, like weirdly difficult when normally it's so easy, right? It's it's like this idea of like, oh no, we're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to do the wrong thing. We're going to lead people in the wrong way. We're going to confuse them, whatever it is, right? It's this catastrophizing that happens in our head. And that's your clue that that's the enemy. And his whole goal is to get you to stop moving, to get you to not do anything and to get you paralyzed by fear. Another way that you may see this way of never moving showing up what you hear in your head what you have going on is criticism right we don't move we sit and we watch other people move and then we critique how they're moving and what it is that they're doing and if we think that they did it right if they made the best decision right this is really easy for all of us to do you know really easy for me to do right but you can see and i hope you're thinking of ways in which the enemy has put you in a position where maybe you have some good ideas about a situation, but instead of sharing them, instead of moving, instead of taking action, 
you're actually just sitting still and maybe you're just criticizing what other people are doing, right? Instead of seeing that there is a route forward or you know, mo moving on that, you're just stuck looking at the other people that are moving forward. And it's real easy for the enemy to get in. And obviously this would create division, right? Like this would come into that unity. We have the freedom of choice. As we said, in, as God said in Deuteronomy, right? We have the, we have the choice of life or death, right? And the enemy likes to bring it up because never moving to me is death. <laughs> being completely frozen, being completely inactivated in our gifts and in our calling. That is the opposite of what we want. And so those are just two examples, the catastrophizing and the criticism that can pop up in the way the enemy plays that mind game in us. The next way that you can recognize if the enemy is trying it with you is the complete opposite. It is never quitting. You never feel like that you can quit. You have to constantly work. Now this shows up in two interesting ways also. One of them is the savior complex. The enemy tricks us into thinking that we are the one who has to do the thing. We are the only ones that can do the thing. We are the only ones that can care for our kids the way that they need to be cared for. We are the only ones that can lead that Bible study in the way that it needs to be led. We are the only one that can do that project at work. We are the only one, right, that can like unload the dishwasher, right? It can get crazy, right? It goes into all aspects of our lives where we think that we are the only one that can do something. And we become almost obsessed with that of like, oh, we have to do this. Otherwise, other people are going to mess it up, right? And it tricks us into the state of always doing and never resting, right? Another way in which we never quit and the ways in which it can show up in your head, because you might be like, no, I don't feel like that I'm ever, you know, totally saving the world, um, is perfectionism. Perfectionism can show up. And it's interesting because perfectionism, it, it does have a freeze aspect to it. But really how I think that we see the enemy using it in our lives, and especially when it relates to like never quitting, is that we feel like that what we're doing is never good enough and it has to be improved. So the enemy gets in there and plays that mind game with you that like, no, you haven't learned enough. No, you haven't gotten enough degrees. Like, no, you haven't practiced it enough. No, it could be neater. No, it could be better. Mm. I think you're missing a point. Maybe you need to add another point in there before you do it, right? Like this perfectionism. So you're constantly working. You're constantly working, but you're never giving birth to anything. You're never releasing it. It's never actually created in that it's released into the world and it can like go out and be tested. You know what I mean? Like you're just like stuck in this constant work, this constant improve, improving this kind of thing. And both of these are a recipe for death, right? Because we are humans, we are not God. We are not perfect, right? Like we are not the savior. God is the savior, Jesus is the savior. Like we have somebody that took that place. We don't need to rescue everyone in our lives. We don't need to do all of the things. We don't have to hold ourselves to that perfectionist standard, right? But the enemy tries to get in and he tries to play these mind games with us. So when we have the freedom to choose and we have the freedom to choose what we work on or whether we take a break, we choose 
the opposite thing that like God has for us, right? We choose to keep working. We choose to never rest, right? Um, or we choose to never move. We choose to stay frozen and waiting because we're gripped with too much fear that something might go wrong. So we can get gripped in these situations. And if we look back at like, say the Afghanistan situation, right? Like I said earlier, we could look at that from our couches and we can see the difference in the freedom that we have, the gift that we have of the life that we do live. And we can see the opportunity in that. And we can see that opportunity and we can use that as motivation and as fuel for us to move forward in that calling that God has on our lives and taking action and taking bold and brave action, right? Or the enemy would rather that we just be frozen in fear, that we'd be frozen in guilt, that we'd be frozen in sadness, those kinds of things. So I wanted to give you some tips here, right? It's like, okay, so let's say that you figured out like, oh no, the enemy has definitely been trying it with me. He has been trying to get me to freeze by not, you know, never moving. He's been playing these mind games. He's been trying to get me to never quit, you know, where I constantly am working and maybe I'm never actually releasing anything out there or I just think I have to do all the things and I won't let the rest of the body do anything for me, right? If you notice that the enemy has been messing with you, what do you do, okay? So I can share what I do, okay? And I have three tips here for what I do when I feel like the enemy has been trying it with me. So these are my three steps. First one, ask questions. Pause and ask a question. God, what would you have me do? I'm seeing this stuff happening on the other side of the world. Is this for me? Like, what would you have me do? And then the next step is to stop talking, right? <laughs> because if we're asking somebody a question and we actually think that they have something valuable to share with us, then we stop talking and we listen to hear that wisdom from them. So we literally stop talking and we listen to God. And that could be as simple as asking that question and then being like, God, I'm listening and just like shut our mouth, stop talking. <laughs> that is the most helpful thing because it's so easy for us to just like rant and ramble on, right? The third thing that I would say is to take action, right? We ask questions, we listen to what God's response is, and then we take action with faith that God is guiding us, that we either heard him correctly or he's gonna give us wisdom as we take the steps. But we move forward and we try and do something. Now, I have a few other questions here that maybe would be helpful. So I've shared with you my method, my three-step method of like when I have freedom and I have freedom in choices. There's ask questions, there's stop talking, and there's take action. So that's my method. There's some additional questions that I'll give you guys that maybe you want to think about. And I'm gonna share with you an example of how these were helpful to me. My method, all right? So my questions that I ask. Is this thought or is this fear even true? This is important because when the enemy is coming in with mind games, he's often coming in and trying to create a lie there, right? So we wanna question that. Like, is this true? Where is the truth in this, right? And then listen to what God has to say. Another question I ask a lot is, what do you want, God? 
Like, yeah, I could do anything, but what do you want? Another very good question to ask is, what do I want? Ask yourself, what do you want? At least be clear on it. You don't have to ignore what it is you want. Acknowledge it. It may be different than what God wants, and then you could have a conversation about it with him. It's good information. I also ask, what reflects your righteousness in this situation, God? There may be a lot of good things that we could choose between today. What reflects your righteousness? There might be a lot of ways in which we could respond to a situation. What reflects his righteousness, his true character, the wholeness of his character? And then the fourth question that I often ask, actually, this is the fifth question. What will create the change that is needed? What action can I take that actually creates the change that is needed? Because if we're bothered by the situation, if we've got some sort of decision to make, we've, we've got this empowered place of freedom where we can make this decision, we probably want there to be change, right? So it's like, what decision? What's gonna, what's gonna move the needle forward? What's gonna create the change that's needed? So let me tell you a story of a situation where I had to apply these recently. So a few weeks ago, I had a day really open in the day. I didn't have any meetings or anything like set and scheduled. And so like I get up and I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? Right? Starting the day with one of my questions, God, what do you want me to do? And I get quiet and I listen. I feel like he says, take a Lika and go to the beach. I'm like, really? I mean, cause I got, Things on my to-do list, I'm listing them off. You know, I got all these things. I can call this person. I can check in on them. I can do this. Uh, how about that paperwork I've been avoiding for three months? You know, I could do that. Like, are you sure, God? There's lots of things on my list that I could do. And he said, no, take the space. Don't fill your space. Take the space. Get Alika, go to the beach. So he hasn't been in preschool since COVID. I was like, you know what? You're right, God. Okay, it's an opportunity. Me and him, we can just go to the beach, have a little like son and mom time, go to the beach. So I'm like, okay, I'm getting ready. That's what you said, God, I'll take your word for it. So I'm getting ready. As I'm getting ready, I get a phone call on my phone and I can see it's somebody that I care about a lot, right? It's a person I've been friends with for over 15 years now, person who struggles. He struggles with a lot of physical issues, mental issues, emotional anxiety issues. I'm looking at it and I'm like, ah, oh, God told me to take the space. God told me to get ready and to go to the beach. So I'm getting Alika ready. I'm getting myself ready. You know, breakfast, this is all in the morning, right? Everything's ready, you know, like getting out the door, get out to my car, maybe like a half an hour later. And I try calling back, no answer. I'm like, okay, God, well, you know, I tried leave it in your hands, go to the beach, right? Beach, beach is good. I love the beach. I love the beach anytime that I go there. It's like so great and see the horizon, everything's good. You know, my son, typical like preschooler, right? Loves it one minute, hates it another minute. You know, it's, it's a mix of everything, right? So we're there, we have a good time. We come back, we get lunch, all that kind of stuff. Then we're home for a couple hours. So it's like mid afternoon. And then I get a text message on my phone. And I'm a bit emotional about it. So I'm telling this story because a lot of times when we have the freedom to make choices, we often question like, are we going to make the right choices and what's going to be the consequences of our choices? So I want to share this story with you guys. So I get a text message 
that you hate to get. My friend had had a mental break. And when I didn't answer the phone call in that time space, had that mental break and ended up getting hit by a car. And there's not many people in this person's life. And I was really emotional when I got that message. And I'm emotional now. And immediately the doubts start coming in, right? The immediate reaction is, did I do the right thing? Did I mess up? Did I screw up? Did I not hear you right, God? So I've been hit by a car. And it was the building manager that was texting me. Because like I said, there's not many people in this person's life. And they're saying that, he's, that they think he's in the ICU. They don't know if he's going to make it. It was a really terrible accident. And I'm just, you know, it's so emotional and distraught and just like, man, did I make the right choice here? But I'm like, I got to think about action. What does he need? What needs to happen in this moment? So I start figuring out, going through my notebooks, okay. What's his family's phone numbers on the mainland? I don't know if anybody's called the family on the mainland. Like I said, there's not many people here. I have been in contact with one because I've been working with that distant family member to try and get some important documents for him earlier in the year. So I had his phone number just flipping through the pages, trying to get myself grounded, trying to figure out, can I go to the hospital? Can anybody watch my kids? so that I can go over there? Can I even get into the hospital? You know, what are the rules? Like all this kind of stuff. It's the ICU, everything like that, right? So it was just a tough afternoon and evening. And uh, props to my small group. You know, they really did a lot of the work that night. They prayed for me and I really appreciated it. I didn't have a lot of burden of leading. The next morning I was still feeling this heaviness, okay? And I was up early in the morning because I wasn't sleeping well. <laughs> I was outside like having my quiet time with God. And I was like, God, you know, the question is, should I have done something? Could I have prevented this, right? Like that's what's coming to me. So God, is this even true, right? So I'm following my formula <laughs> in this time. And I felt like that God helped me see the answer could I have done something? If God had told me to be there, if God had told me to answer that phone, I would have answered that phone. If he had told me to be outside of that apartment, I would have been outside of that apartment, right? If God had told me, yeah, I could have done something, but God didn't tell me to do that that day. He reminded me, he specifically told me that I was gonna need the space. I needed to take that Sabbath morning I needed to go to the beach and I needed to spend that time with my son. And that was such a weight off of my shoulders of like, you're right, God, you told me to do this. He said, I could have done something if I had been told, but he didn't tell me to do it, right? So it lifted off that burden. So where the enemy could have easily came in and tried to play that mind game of the savior complex, where he tried to come in with criticisms and with doubts and everything like that, where he could have messed me up, right? Like my sleep could have been messed up for days, for weeks, right? My days could have been messed up every time I make a decision of whether or not I'm supposed to interact with somebody. 
um, I, I could have been all in my head and all stressed out. Every time somebody called me on the phone, I could have been thinking, oh no, it's a catastrophe, right? Like I could have went to all of these places, but instead I stopped and I paused and I asked that question to God, is this even true? And he said, yes, but I didn't tell you to do that. That's not what you were called to do. It's not your fault. It wasn't my calling to do that day. It wasn't my responsibility. So I stopped talking and I heard God from that. And then I wanted to take action. Like, okay, God, well, where is your righteousness in this, right? Like, where is your goodness in this situation? Like, this is terrible. I don't know if he's going to live or die. And I felt like that God brought to mind, and he reminded me, the past two years since COVID has been really terrible for this person. It really has been a life-threatening situation almost every day in their health. And I felt like that God pointed out to me that right now, my friend is unconscious. He doesn't have all of that mental chaos happening inside of his head. He doesn't have, he's not feeling all that physical pain right now. He's not feeling those old relational hurts and wounds right now. He's not dealing with the mental health issues and things like that. He is unconscious. And God shifted my mind and spurred me into taking action in prayer of like, God, I pray that my friend, his spirit and your spirit, God, just meet in this unconscious time. And if he's going to be unconscious for days, God, I pray that his spirit is with your spirit. And whether it's some near-death experience, like whatever it is that you want to call it, but that there could be more healing in 24 hours a day of just like his spirit completely detached from the crap of this world and completely plugged into God 24 hours a day for however many days that he's going to be unconscious. That would be amazing. What if he could experience days with like the living God and be in his presence. And then if he lives and he's back here with us and interacting and all of that kind of stuff, how could his life be changed? His mind be changed? How could there be healing in that kind of thing? And then also, you know, we've been fighting for years for him to get the care that he needs. The past two years, you know, fighting social workers and case managers and insurances and like all the doctors and like all this kind of stuff, trying to get him the care that he needs because every day is a life-threatening situation. And now finally our worst fears have happened, but what if this is what prompts the system and gets the, symptom, the system's attention and he finally gets the care that he needs? They finally respond in a way that he needs. And so that's what I went into action in, is praying on that. And I can tell you that the burden on me felt completely lifted. It was, it was amazing to see how God met me in that difficulties and in those times. So I share that story with you just to say that like asking questions, stopping talking, <laughs> and then taking action really can make a difference. And the difference that it made for my friend, that was weeks ago. About a week ago, I, a, nun, a phone number I didn't recognize called my phone. I didn't get to it. I had a voicemail. I pick up the voicemail. It's my friend. It's my friend. Hey, Veronica, I'm in the hospital, but I just wanted to reach out and call you. I was in an accident. You know, so he's just talking. But he had joy in his voice that I haven't heard in two years. 
He had clarity in the way in which he said my name that his mental health hasn't allowed him to have in two years. His spirit was different. He was showing up differently, even in voice, than he was previous to this accident. And I felt like that's God answering that prayer, that God met with his spirit because something has shifted. And then I found out talking to him, he's actually going to be placed in a care home where there's 24 hour care around him, where he, there's more protection around him getting hurt, um, hurting himself or hurting anybody else. And I felt like that that is a huge blessing after two years of fighting and going to all these offices and calling all these people. You know, I can be quite mama bear when I think somebody needs to be taken care of. So it's like, you know, there had been a battle up until this point. So it's just amazing to see God answer those prayers to actually meet with his spirit, to ground him, um, to solidify him, and then to prepare a place for him and to prepare the level of care that he needs. So I just give God the glory for that. And I hope that this message to you today encourages you and gives you insight to where if you feel like that you have freedom and you have freedom to make choices, that you don't have to be stuck in worrying about catastrophizing the worst case situation, um, in making the wrong decision, in um, messing up things, and constantly working, and always being in perfection, or any of those things that the enemy tries to mess with us with when he comes and he tries to get us to never move or he tries to get us to never quit. But instead, you decide to stop, and you pause, and you ask questions. When you see a hard situation, when you see an opportunity for you to take a chance, but it feels scary, when you're trying to help somebody, or you're trying to figure out if you're supposed to help them today, or if you're supposed to take a Sabbath, if you're supposed to take a break, when you have these hard choices in front of you, you have this empowered position that you're at, that you will stop, that you will ask questions, that you will stop talking, that you will listen, and that then you will take that action and you will feel your freedom in movement and in action in your life and you will see it changing the world that we live in and you, the rest of us in this body of Christ, will be building and be working together and striving towards that unity in God. I will lead us now in prayer. God, I just thank you for this message. I thank you for the ways in which you've been working in my life. I thank you for the ways in which you relieve that burden, that heavy backpack that the enemy was trying to put on me, and he does so many times, try and put it on all of us and weigh us down so that we don't take any more action, so that we feel terrible, the way that he messes with our minds. So I just wanna take this moment and I just speak freedom over every one of you that are listening to this sermon today. I speak freedom in your mind and that where the enemy has been messing with you, that those like those tactics that he's been using or those triggers that he's been using to mess with you, that those things would be painted red, that they would be highlighted, that you would see them, that they would be revealed, and that you would shut them down with authority and that you will rebuke them in Jesus' name and that you will be free to pause whenever you need to pause and you will be free to ask 
God a question, to listen and hear his answer because he eagerly talks to us, and then to step forward in bold action. I just bless you with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Blue Water. I hope that you were inspired by Vern's excellent message today and you feel that freedom to go out and try something in such a restrictive time. If you don't, you could submit a prayer request to bluewatermission.org pray and somebody can pray for you specifically about what it is that you would like to see more freedom in in your life. It's a tough season right now and there are so many things that make us feel restricted from normal amounts of freedom. So let me pray for you for your week. Um, Jesus, I just thank you so much that, um, that you are a God of freedom even in the most restrictive of seasons. I thank you that you still light a way for us to go forward and that you give us options and paths that we can go down um, and that you just ask us to get up and try it and that there is freedom in that and that you will honor the try. And so I just pray this week that you would illuminate the paths that you want us to take moving forward and that you would give us the strength and the courage to try that. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, everyone.